Hello everyone, I am Leif and I just wanted to thank you for this wonderful privilege to be able to be with you here on Father's Day. It's a very, very special day and I just wanted also to bless all of you fathers that is there or grandpas and even some of the sons that is going to be fathers in the near future. And I'm very thrilled to be with my Northland family. And I know that many of you, as you're meeting in different homes, uh, I know that, that the family of families are actually coming together. And I thank God for technology that I do have an opportunity to be able to share some things. And uh, so I just wanted to bless you. So Father, I just thank you so much that you are a good, good Papa. That's who you are. And loved and loved, that's who we are. And we are so grateful and we are so thankful that Jesus, you came to show us how the Father is like. You came to bring us back again to a perfect Father, to experiencing a perfect love. So all the love deficiency that we have was going to be healed. I thank you, Jesus, that the very love of the Father is healing any fatherlessness and any father deficiency in our lives. I bless that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. I was thinking about something that has just been burning in my heart because I was reading an article a few years back and this was in England that one chaplain, he decided on Mother's Day, he gathered the 500 prisoners together and then he decided just to do something generous and kind. He had worked with Hallmark that makes this beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day card and he had raised a little bit of money where everybody got a stamp. So all the prisoners had an opportunity as a kind gesture because Mother's Day was coming along. And what he decided, he has 500 cards. And by the day that day was over, every single one of the prisoners, they got a card. They filled it in. They took a free stamp and he sent it out on Mother's Day. The chaplain was very, very impressed by this incredible receptiveness of these prisoners. So he decided when Father's Day came along in June, a few months later, he decided, let's try to do the same on Father's Day. So he brought all these cards that was donated from Hallmark. He got stamps and he put it together and he invited all the prisoners after they were finished this one little chaplaincy service. And he just wanted to remind them, just like we did for Mother's Day, we want to do that for Father's Day. We want to honor you to be able to honor your father. So we have just made these cards available for you and we have stamps. I want you just to you write it, put it in an envelope, put the name of your father and then we're going to send it out. And here's what saddened my heart. When I was reading this story, I found out that not one single card was picked up. Not one single card. And then I was just thinking about another story that became very relevant to me. I have this little orange with me and it does have a purpose and it does have a story. And because I was reading another article and this article, it is actually by the deceased. And I was thinking in the middle of a global pandemic, there was pretty much almost a global pandemic back in that time. And I believe as we are experiencing a global pandemic now, there's another type of global pandemic that many people are not able to see. It's also an invisible enemy. Back then, back in the 1700s, there was actually a pandemic called scurvy. And scurvy was actually something that many seamen, including one who was leaving Portugal with 173 sailors, but by the time they reached the destination, 100 of those sailors died. 
and, and it was actually a Scottish uh, physician. He suddenly realized that what is this problem? Because over a period of a couple of hundred years, over two million people died of this disease. It was not they needed prayer. It was not they needed a miracle. They didn't need a breakthrough drugs or even a vaccine. What this Scottish physician learned that if we had just given them some vitamin C or a lemon. So if you just had some vitamin C or lemon, they had a vitamin C deficiency. And I just realizing actually that we have another deficiency and it is called a father deficiency. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about because as I mentioned in my prayer early on, one of the things that is so much on the heart of the father, he wants his family back. And many people, when, it, when we're talking about God as a father, it's almost a scary thought. It was actually scary for me. So I wanted to take a few moments to share a little bit of my story and how I got connected to Papa God. And yes, that's what I call him, Papa God. He is my loving father. And my life was totally transformed in year 2000 when Jesus introduced me to a loving father who loves me, who believes in me, who affirms me, who protects me. He has been my papa ever since. And I wake up in the morning as a beloved son. So let me give you a little bit of the background of my story. I am from Norway. For some of you that didn't know it, I do have an accent. And yes, it is a Southern accent. And the reason is I am from the South part of Norway. When I came actually into this world, when my mom was pregnant with me, she found out actually that she had to have a surgery. So during the last four and a half months of carrying me, she had a lot of fear. So pretty much I came into this world, born into this world full of fear. Later on, I went through some painful things. Good parents, I had a good father and a good mother, but I experienced an abuse when I was 12 years old. And I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And the byproduct of that led to me become a prodigal son. And we're going to read that story or share a little of that story from the Bible because I believe there are some amazing things that God wants to speak to you this very, very day. But anyway, so my story and my testimony is actually for the next five years, I turned away from God as a loving God because if God was a loving God, why was he not there when I needed him, when I cried out to him and it didn't happen. I moved so far away from the father's love. And by the time I was 18, I was a suicidal drug addict. I weighed 99 pounds. And during a time when I had just been kicked out of a boarding school and I had shame my family, I had so much guilt and so much fear. But one of the last thing I wanted to do was to come home, not because I didn't have a good home, but because the voice of shame was keeping me away from my family's love. But that one night, it's almost like I came to my senses and I decided that it is actually so much better to come home, even if it is to face some of my fear and some of my shame and some of my guilt by coming home. It is better than being in a park without drugs, without food, without anything. And I still remember, so I took the train from Oslo and I was heading all the way to Stavanger along the coast of Norway for those eight 
hours, I was just kind of a practicing my rehearsal speech. There were several times that I wanted a train to stop so I could get off because there was a fear for facing my father and mother, mainly because I had dishonored them. I had actually shamed my family. My name was in the national newspaper that I'd been just kicked out of the boarding school, that my parents had sacrificed so much money and including driving across the mountains of Norway to be able to put me in a safe environment. And I destroyed that opportunity with self-sabotaging again. And on the inside of my heart, as I'm saying, it was just this dark hole in my soul. And I didn't know exactly how to deal with it. When we arrived in Stavanger and came to the train station in Stavanger, I never forget as I walked out of that train, pretty much worn out. My father was there and he had taken two ferries driven a tunnel from Haugesund to Stavanger, and my dad stood ready, and when he saw me, he was running towards me. And I never forgot it. My father was full of love and compassion. And usually in my culture, in my setting, they don't show much emotion, but that day I could see tears in my father's eyes as he embraced me and he hugged me. And we started a long drive back again to my home in Haugesund. Two and a half hours later, when I came home, my brother Jan, or John, he had created his marzipan cake, and it says, welcome home, Leif. Something changed in me that very day. There was something in the deep heart of this drug addict, this person who had lived in rebellion, that realized that the family's love and the father's love was about to change me. And my story continued later on that I met Jesus around that time. And in 1984, Jesus came into my life. Oh, he saved me. He healed me. He delivered me from drugs. And he set me free from so much darkness. And the next moment I started to serve him, I wanted to honor this Jesus that had given everything for me. And I started a whole new journey with Jesus. But one of the problems that I had in that season, I still didn't know Papa God. My view towards God, and that went all the way back to my childhood, I had a view of God, that this God was kind of a, wanted to come after me. I was safe with Jesus. And when I came to Jesus, wow, I loved coming to Jesus because he accepted me just the way I am. But I'm so glad that that Jesus stood between me and this God that seems to be there with pointed finger. And when I had a good report on my report card, then I felt that God could receive me. But when I messed up and perhaps I had a 90 on my scorecard, then I felt that God was there and uh, you better do better. And so as a result of that, I had a wrong view of the Father. I never experienced before all those years later when I'm out there going to be successful, performing, went to college, was trying to get good grades, trying to do all the right things. But the inside, I still operated with an orphan heart. And I remember one scripture verse, and I wanted to share that with you this, uh, today. And that is John 14, 18. One of the verses that I do believe is a cry because of this pandemic that is spread around the world. And the pandemic is called father deficiency. Just as these sailors had a vitamin C deficiency, on a global level, the world has become like an orphanage. And the orphan spirit, you can see it in politics, you can see it in sport, that orphan spirit is there. And that orphan heart is there. 
And yes, you can still have an orphan heart and an orphan spirit by having a daddy, but still having either spiritually or emotionally, there's still a deficiency. There's a, still a place in your life where the love has not gone and you're operating with a root of fear or perhaps shame or guilt or there's other things that is there. The good news is there is a cure for this father deficiency. And we're going to find that. And I believe that the best story that we're going to read is here from Luke 15, where Jesus is about to show us a phenomenal story about the God that loved him so much. And the biggest desire for Jesus is for you and I to experience the love that he had experienced from Father God. But that verse was in John 14, 18. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. You don't have to be alone any longer out there striving and struggling for approval. There is a father and we're going to capture the view of that father that can change your life. That can heal any father wounds and even some father scars if you still have them. And for me, I had a very, very good father, came from a very, very good home. And still I had some of those father deficiency in my life. And I have, I have a lot of other friends, they maybe had an abusive father, and now they are very afraid because they feel that if I'm getting close to God, I'm going to get hurt. This God is going to hurt me or allowing pain to happen in my life. Other ones had fathers that was not there. So you're feeling that God is not going to be there and you're learning to be self-reliant. You're learning, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm not going to trust totally any father, especially not Father God, because why was he not there? Other ones, and I still have a friend of mine, he came home from school, 12 years old with a report card, and he had a 95 on his report card. And his father, he gave him that look. I don't know if you've ever had that look, but that look that says, I'm disappointed with you. Why didn't you get a 100? So he got the, oh, that, that's okay with a 95, but son, I didn't raise a 95, son. I raised a 100, son, so you better get a 100. I met this person in the Philippines. He had been the CEO of one of the largest banks. He had actually built an empire, became a key leader in so many different areas. And at the age of 72, there was that father deficiency that had been in his life. He climbed every mountain and he succeeded in every mountain. But on the inside, there was a black hole in his soul, a place where this love has never gone. The vitamin C, he just needed a father to see him, to be pleased with him. And he'd been trying all these years at the age of 72, that's 60 years to try and just to get the approval of the father. And I was sharing the very message that I'm sharing with you about the story that Jesus is about to share. And I'm going to tell you the finished story about Ramon in a few moments. But let me give you a little bit of the background here in Luke 15. And we're just going to look at some of those highlights. But this chapter begins in Luke 15. And if you do have a Bible, uh, then open the Bibles up. If you don't have a Bible, just listen. And I'm going to read a few things. It starts with, then all the tax collectors and sinners, they drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes, they complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, and let me just stop here. Let me just capture this background in the Middle Eastern context. Here you are seeing that Jesus, who is supposed to represent God, a perfect God. There was a group of people that was around Jesus, 
tax collectors. Let me just remind you, tax collectors was probably some of the most unwanted people in that society. Israel and the Jewish people had been occupied by Rome. And what the tax collectors, tax collectors was actually Jewish people that pretty much went in, manipulated and stole or actually forced people to pay taxes that was given to Rome. And they themselves became wealthy by stealing of their own people. It would be like us pretty much taking money from us and give to ISIS. I mean, it is a horrific thing. And here you're seeing those tax collectors. Somehow they were hanging around Jesus. And there was another group of people, sinners. Wow. Sinners that could be drug addicts, alcoholics. I don't know what kind of sinners or CEO that had an affair. But they were sinners. Tax collectors and sinners. They came to be around Jesus. So now the Pharisees, who was the religious people and the scribes that were more the judicial people, they are coming and saying, wow, how could you, Jesus, be? who you say you are when you are seeing these tax collectors and sinners around. And that's when Jesus tells these three parables. The first parable is about this shepherd. He had 90, excuse me, had 100 sheep. He lost one of those sheep. And then he left the 99 and he did everything that he could to go and find that one sheep and then bring that sheep back again. And he got so full of joy and was so glad. And then the next story that Jesus tells, and I'm sure that these Pharisees and scribes, well-educated people are, what is he talking about? And it's almost like God is like a shepherd. But the next story he talks about, oh, this woman Oh, she had 10 coins, but she had lost one of the coins. Or oh, wouldn't she sweep throughout her whole house to be able to find that lost coin and bring that back into her collection? And I'm sure that the audience is still listening. The sinners and the tax collectors, their ears are open up, their eyes is getting big. It's almost like they can identify. But I believe that the religious and the judicial people are still missing the point. So Jesus comes in and says, oh, let me tell you another story. There was this father and this father, they are listening to the father. This father had two sons. He didn't say two sinners. He had two sons. One of them, he was rebellious. He said to his father, father, I want my share of wealth. I want my inheritance now. Just, I want you to capture this in the Middle East. This is huge because what he's actually saying, the inheritance or the wealth is after a father dies. He actually says, I wish that you were dead, dad, so that I could get what I deserve or what I want, what you have paid for, inheritance. The father, when he listened to it, probably saddened his heart, but he decided out of his generosity to give the inheritance. The oldest one would get two-thirds, the young one-third. The young one, he turned his back to his father and he moved into a distant land, just like I did. 1984, wow. But in this journey, as he went there, some friends came along. And if we're using today's language, probably drugs and sex and everything that you can have to offer. All we know, he squandered. He wasted it. He had a lot of friends when he had a lot of money. But eventually, the money ran out. And so did his friends. And eventually, he was left there empty, alone. <laughs> no place to go for detox. And eventually he finds a farmer who has some swine and some pigs. And he goes there and he gets a little job. He gets food enough just to survive by feeding pigs. And I want you to know, a Jewish boy would never eat pigs. And this son of this wealthy father is eating the very food of 
pigs. And some of you maybe say, I cannot identify there. I do. I have been there in a the place where I smell like a pig. I have moved so far away from my father's love and I experienced what the pig pen meant. And then that boy, the Bible says that he came to his senses and some people think he repented, but he didn't. Instead, what he was doing, oh, it is better to come home. Even if I can get the basement apartment is better than living among pigs. Just like in my life in 1984, he started to head home. And as he's heading home and thinking about the rehearsal speech and, and thinking about what he's about to say to his father, then the father, the Bible says, and I want you to capture this, and we're going to just look at a couple of verses together. In Luke chapter 15, wow. And Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says, When he came to himself, this is when he was in the pig pen, how many of my father's hired servant, servants they have bread enough to spare, and I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And that's when you saw, and he rose and he came to his father. But the Bible says, but when he was still great way off. I want you to capture this. It says that the father, the father saw him. Wow. The father saw him and had compassion or love towards him. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the Greek word for kissing here means he kissed him over and over. It was not just a little kiss on the cheek. He kissed him over and over and over again. And he says, father, father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be your son. And the father said, hey, stop. Hey, get the robe. And he called his servants to bring the robe. And then said, hey, get the ring and get the sandals and prepare the party. And he got that incredible calf. And I want you just to capture a couple of things. While he was still smelling like a pig, full in his mess and there's different people like I know a CEO that still had everything but still ended up in a pig pen so there doesn't need to be just an alcoholic and a drug addict but anyone that are struggling I have another one pornography addiction that just led him far away from the father's love it doesn't matter what kind of messes that you are in all I want to encourage you and this is what changed me in year 2000 when I had this baptism of love experience when I had my glorious homecoming and for all these years I had stayed away I stayed away from the father because I didn't know a God that looks and love just like Jesus I want to remind you that everything that Jesus did is all he did is what he saw his father do. So when Jesus touched a leper, it's because the father is touching leper. And now what Jesus is describing in this story, it is so beautiful. He described a God just like himself. This is the father. This is Middle East. This is different than any other God that you could ever find. Here you are seeing Jesus describing a God that is actually looking and what I thought is that God must be looking away from me when I have all these messes. But he was actually looking towards him. So the Bible says the father saw him. He was looking. He was looking. I am sure that every single day the father, it's like I miss my sons. I wish they could come back home. I miss to have them in my presence just to be able to love on them. Just to be able to wake up in the morning to tell them how amazing they are. Wow. 
this boy that had all these father deficiency and didn't even realize it until this moment when the father was looking, he saw him. The second thing the Bible says, he was full of compassion. He was full of love. And then the father does something, and this is very important. He lifts up his cloak, and then he starts to run. How do I know that? Because they had his nice tunic. They had his cloak, and long, long kind of a... Almost like having a long coat on. And that's what they're using in the Middle East. And the only way to run fast is to lift that up. And to do that, you're showing off your legs, which is illegal in the Middle East. This is like dishonoring. So while all the people in the village knows exactly what he has done, the villagers, they would have been ready to do what you see in some of the Muslim country. We have what we call honor killings. The fear for this boy, because he has shamed not just the father, he has shamed his tribe, shamed shamed his village and everybody is about to shame him into repentance so what they're doing is about to do a crush a jar and then they're about to do something called a cashier on jewish tradition they're shaming him or they're stoning him into repentance but instead when the father is looking before the villager is going to get there the father is going to get there to him then the father starts to run he's so full of compassion and he's running towards him and when he's running towards him, the boy doesn't understand exactly. And then eventually when the father gets to him, the Bible says the father embraces him. And some of us, we just need a fresh embracement of Papa God on this Father's Day. Even if you're a grandpa or if you are a father, I just sat there with a man 82 years old in church. And he just wept and he's wept and he wept. 82 years old. And it was the first time in his life that he experienced that the father loves him. 82 years old, and I was wondering, he's been going with this deficiency, been dying on the inside of a deficiency that all he needed was a vitamin C, that the Father sees you. He can see you, and he's full of compassion towards you. He is running, not away from you, but towards you. He embraced him, and he kissed him over and over again, and then he gave him something. He says, let's get the robe. The boy repented because the goodness and the kindness of God is leading us to repentance. And if you don't know what repentance means, it's actually that you are shifting just the way you are thinking. So my view towards God, my repentance was, I thought that God was actually angry. He couldn't handle my sin. And then I realized in this story that that is not, that I had a God that did not look like Jesus because the sinners love being around Jesus. So here the father says, get the robe. This is a picture of a robe of righteousness. He could take off those old clothes and put on the family robe, the robe of righteousness, just as, he, as he, just as if he had never sinned. The robe covers over all your messes. But it didn't stop there. The robe will get you to heaven. The robe gives you access to the Father. But then he says, let's get the ring. It would be like if Bill Gates came and gave you one of his signature ring and anywhere you went, you had the ring of Bill Gates, you will know that there's provision because you're representing Bill Gates. It's almost like getting the checkbook of Papa, having the signature ring, knowing you belong to the Father. The robe gets you to heaven, but the ring brings heaven to you. The robe gives you the identity and the ring gives you the authority. 
And I just, and then we're going to get the shoes so that you can walk in peace. Walk in peace with God. Having peace with yourself. Peace into your marriage. Peace into your home. And then bring that very peace into the community. And blessed are the peacemakers because they are the sons and daughters of God. And there's a glorious party. Every single time there's a party when we are coming home and our experience is Father's love. And that we're being healed from any of the father deficiency that has been there. There was one more son. He was out on the field working for God. He was also struggling. And that became me, where I was out serving God. And I was missing out on a daily affirmation, the daily intimacy, the daily love of Papa. And I was out there trying to please him, while all the time I was already pleasing to him. And if you've been struggling with religion or perhaps religious people have kept you away from his love, I encourage you also to experience it, that the Father is also looking at you. He is neither upset with the rebellious or the religious. He's actually said, son, all that I have is yours. And he felt that, why is it? Why is it that God doesn't do more for me? Excuse me, but every single day you can be in the Father's house. Every single day you can eat from the Father's food. He is a good provider. He's a good protector. Why are you out there striving for things that the Father has already provided for? One more story, and we are about to land this. I don't know how you are doing, but I know the story with Ramon that became very beautiful, the one that is said in the Philippines. At Palawan, a beautiful island, at a private resort, we were sitting there, and he experienced the liquid love coming over him. Ramon got so changed at that very moment. The love of the father took him back to the 12-year-old boy and him, and he got the 100 on the report card. The father God gave him a picture and says, I'm proud of you, son. I love you, son. I am well pleased with you. I have another friend of mine all the way back to 12, 13 years old, he was playing baseball and the father was up there. One of those fathers that was yelling and screaming on the sideline and gave him the look, you better score. And my friend, all, all of his life in business and everything that he was doing, he's still trying to score. So my story, the last story that I want to share with you, I was in the Philippines again on one of my trips and I had this invitation to come and speak to a group of leaders from 90 countries, the governor was going to be there. Even the president of the nation was going to visit that day. And from all over the world, they would gather in in this meeting. First, I was excited for the opportunity, but then I got crippled by fear. I just realized I have 15 minutes. What if I miss this? What if I don't utilize this right? And before you know it, I got so overwhelmed by fear. And my Filipinos, they were driving me from Laguna into Manila. And on the way into Manila, they said, oh, they called me Papa Leif. Oh, Papa Leif, we are so excited. You get to speak in this meeting. And, and I'm just dying on the inside. I kind of gave them this little fake smile. But on the inside, I was dying. I got so overwhelmed. And in a moment, I just closed my eyes. And it was almost like I had this picture and, and I was just, I closed my eyes, and in the next moment, like I saw myself playing basketball. We call it a vision. I just had like a picture. And I was playing basketball, which is a miracle because I'm a Norwegian. I have never played basketball. So I thought it was very strange, but I was playing basketball. I had an international team on my side. And the enemy's team, big players, they had black shirts, black uh, uh, shorts, black socks, black shoes, and I knew what it represented because I could see their faces. They were intimidating and they were just very, very tough. And then I realized they represent 
the king of darkness. The team was actually called darkness. And our team was called light. Light. And I realized I had players, Filipino, from Africa, from Europe, from America. All, our team was like an international team. And it's kind of the team you will never pick for your dream team. But somehow, all of them have been picked to be part of this team. They, they all have been called, but they also all have been wanted. Wanted to be part of this team. And I still remember the score was 89 to 87. Wow. And the kingdom of darkness was winning. And then the ball was thrown to me. And there's 20 seconds left on the clock. And I'm heading towards, and I knew, I knew this about baseball, basketball, excuse me, that I have to score a three point. And then I had to be behind his line. I knew that much. So I feel this incredible pressure as I'm heading towards the goal. And the ball is in my hand and the team against me are just kind of coming up in slow motion. And I know I better make this because there was thousands of people watching. The world was watching with television camera and I'm standing there and in a moment I heard, hey! And just for a second I looked and there this man was standing up with a beard. That's my boy, that's my son Leif. That's my boy, that's my son Leif. And I'm from looking at the goal, I'm like, Papa, <laughs> I looked and I could see into my father's eyes and I realized something. It does not matter if I score or do not score. What matters is that my father is already well pleased with me. And this was just going on for a few seconds and I threw the ball and in America, everybody wants to know the score. And yes, I did score. And the ball went in and we won. But I didn't get my value based upon my scoring. I got my value that my father is already well pleased with me. I already have an A plus before I take the exam. I don't have to live from pressure any longer. I can live from my father's pleasure. And there's something when you're realizing the father deficiency is gone. And we're here not to point to the mistakes of any natural father that has been there. We're here actually to point that there is a healing that takes place in all of our lives when we're experiencing the father's love. Any father deficiency is healed when the perfect father comes in with his love and he goes into the deepest root area of our life. A father that is looking towards you, a father that is full of compassion, a father that is running, and a father that wants to embrace you today and give you a kiss and give you the identity and the intimacy so that you do no longer have to live there in a distant land, but you get to come home. I wanted to pray for you. Happy Father's Day. And I know there's both boys and girls, fathers and mothers, many of you there, that all you needed was that vitamin C, that any deficiency that has been in your life, it is going to be healed today. If you have not received Jesus, Jesus came to show you how much the Father loves you. Jesus came to take your sickness, your disease, your pain, your shame, everything that you were going through. The Father loved you so much that he sent his only begotten Son. And the Son loved you so much, he was willing to leave the Father and he paid. He took the F you had on your report card so you could get his A+. Congratulations, it's call and exchange. And that's an act of love a God that loves you so much. So I want you just to pray. If you have not received, even with the other people in this home, let all of us just close our eyes right now. And I want you just even to say, Father, Father, you are a good Father. Thank you for loving me. 
Thank you for sending Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you went and you died for my sin. You buried my sin. And I thank you, Jesus, that I receive you to coming into my heart and to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin, but also to restore me back again to Papa, back again to the Father, to receive the Father's love. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for restoring me and making me whole. Because whom the Son set free is free indeed. And for some of you, perhaps you've been away from that love. Today is going to be a healing that is going to take place in your life, in your marriage, in your children. In the middle of this global pandemic, the other global pandemic, this scurvy disease, the father deficiency that has been. It's healing the father's wounds and even healing some of those scars that has been there. And he's restoring you back again to fullness. That's what you were born to do. Congratulations, my dear family and my dear friends. I look forward to hear his story about some of the areas where the father has demonstrated his love for you today. Happy Father's Day. God bless you.